And so just have tremendous history with you and the people of God here and um, are so blessed by that. And we began just by saying thank you for the many years of prayer, of uh, support in so many ways. Uh, one of the treats I have whenever we're back in the United States is I get to travel back to some of my origins as a young believer, which took place in 1990 in the great city of Evanston, Illinois. I was a freshman at Northwestern University, and some wild-eyed, crazy guys came knocking on my door and said, do you want to hear a presentation about the core message of the Bible? Uh, at that time, I would have called myself a Christian. Uh, as someone going to college, I thought, well, I probably should know what the Bible says if I call myself a Christian and I'm a educated person. And I said, sure. And, and that was God breaking into my life and starting me on a journey that here, these three decades later, continues on. Uh, those guys were part of a group called the Navigators. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but that is a group that was started by a man named Dawson Trotman, a great man of God who had a lot of passion for Jesus. And recently I was reading his biography, and it, it truly is amazing how in the first uh, half of the 20th century, he impacted so many people's lives for Jesus Christ. Influential men that went on to have great ministry. He, he died in the 1950s in a tragic accident. And so there aren't many recordings of his messages around. But when I was in school, uh, <clears throat> the leader of our group uh, had us listen to one. And it was about making disciples, all about how we are meant as believers to have spiritual fruit. We should be making disciples. And so he told the story about how in his life, that led him to make a commitment to share the gospel with someone new every day of his life. And of course, as uh, a fiery young Christian, I thought, oh, that, that, that's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I, I don't think I even lasted a week. You know, I, I, uh, he has this great story about how he came home after a, week, a day of work. It was 11 o'clock at night. And he's like, oh, wait, I forgot to share the gospel today. So he went out on the roads and was flagging down cars. And I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do that, you know. Well, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I gave that up within a week. Um, but, you know, what can happen when we do that, uh, when we become disillusioned and we, we, we set these lofty goals, is that it quenches our spiritual zeal and our passion. When we can't match the discipline of one of our heroes, we think, oh, well, uh, I, I must not, I, I need to temper my, my zeal for Jesus. I need to temper my passion for Jesus. And the point I want to make to us today is that it's not about mimicking some act of devotion. Uh, it's not about uh, following someone else and the discipline they have in their spiritual life or, or, or following a career path like a missionary or a pastor or whatever else it is. The point of our life is about developing a passion for the name of Jesus, having a jealous passion for the name of Jesus, and then learning how to live out that passion in our life 
in all the ways that God wants us to live it. That is the point of our lives. So I want us to start uh, with the, a man named Phineas, which we read about in Numbers chapter 25. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there, Numbers chapter 25. And as we read through the story, uh, again, I want you to, to be looking for uh, his passion, his zeal. And not to get sidetracked by some of his actions, which might be surprising to you. <laughs> Even in our day, might be scandalous. Like, how, how could this man be lifted up as an example? Uh, well, the Bible does a lot of things to shock us, doesn't it? And, and so we, we need to, to read this uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit that we would truly understand what God has for us today. So I'm going to be reading from Numbers chapter 25 out of the English Standard Version and uh, encourage you to read along with me. While Israel lived in Shechem, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced them both. The man of Israel and the woman threw her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. Let's pray together. Lord God, what we want to see happen here in our midst this morning in this next 30 minutes is that these events that took place 3,000 years ago, that we, uh, we have read them, that they would be in our heart in such a way that we would learn how to have this sort of zeal in our life, 
how to have the sort of passion that Phineas had. Lord God, would you send your Holy Spirit now and do this work in our heart through your word, through my words, through this time together in this room, that we would leave this place changed and more full of a zeal and passion for the name of Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. All right. Well, um, I do have some slides that might help us follow along if it's possible to bring those up. Uh, <clears throat> the first one, that's great. If we can move to the next one. I don't know if I'm supposed to have a clicker, but I mean, it's down. Look at that. I'll try to do this on my own. I'm so glad I have people to help me with all this technology. So uh, the first point we want to look at is being jealous for the name of Jesus is the heart of being a priest. You saw in this passage of, of how uh, Phineas was, was called uh, to be part of a perpetual priesthood. Now, that, that can be a, a strange term in our, our modern uh, day and age, and we could say, well, we're not Catholic, we don't have priests. Uh, we're, we're not part of those sort of religious traditions. What, what does that have to do with me? So uh, we'll see in, in uh, the New Testament, in the next slide. There we go. All right, so we got a couple of verses up here. Uh, in in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where Peter tells us, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. So uh, in this new age, as followers of Jesus, it's so important that we understand that God has called us to be a priest. He has said, this is who you are. We didn't choose it. We don't get to change it. We don't get to qualify it. All, all, all we can do is learn what it means to be a priest of God and to obey and follow him. And so I hope in this message today, we can learn a little bit about our role as priests. You know, as you become a follower of Jesus, this is true of so many things. There are thousands of things that are true of you the moment you put your faith in Jesus. And it takes a whole lifetime. It'll take all of eternity for us to fully understand and live out those things. And one of those things is that you were called to be a priest. And being jealous for the name of Jesus, that is the heart of being a priest. That's where it starts. And that's where I ask, no matter what your age is, no matter how many years you have followed Jesus, I ask you today, evaluate your heart. Is that where my heart is at? that I have this burning passion for the name of Jesus because Phineas, he, he is our hero. He is our hero. What, what does it say of him in, in, in verse 11? God said, he's turned back my wrath from the people in Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them. Isn't that amazing? What did God see in Phineas? He said, in that man's heart, my jealousy is burning within him. Do you know what God is jealous about? Do you know what burns in the heart of God that he is passionate about? That is what we're called to, to have that burning in our heart. Our heart. That is why Phineas is lifted up as this hero. I would commend to you, this comes from having an intimate relationship 
with God. Developing this relationship where you know and understand God that in all the situations of our lives, that we understand what God's heart is there. And we have a passion for that. But you should ask, it's right to ask, having read this passage, what about Phineas's actions? Like we might be a little bit cautious that in our zeal and passion, uh, we would just mindlessly go out and, and follow the actions of Phineas, where he took up the spear and pierced it through the, uh, the guts of two people. I mean, how dramatic. It's a good question to ask. And uh, in the 30 minutes that I've been allotted here, you know, I just have to uh, commend to you further study. <laughs> I don't have the time to go through all the details of how to understand this in its proper biblical context, in the flow of salvation history as God's laid it out. It is an amazing thing that we still read this, what's been more than 3,000 years since this event took place, and yet we still are learning from it. That's an amazing thing. And God has given you the gift of his word to be able to dig in and to understand what this means. And I just want to say to you, that's your responsibility. Again, you are called to be a priest. And so it's all of our responsibility to learn what that means in our lives, to learn how the, the flow of the history of salvation from Abraham to Moses to the giving of the law and then to the coming of Jesus and the new covenant how all of that fits together. I'll just try to say a few things uh, that for me help piece these things along. First of all, is it right for God to say what he said in verse four? If you go back up to that verse where um, God says to Moses, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Is it right for God to say that? Yeah. God is always righteous in his anger. 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and today. God's wrath is being revealed from heaven, and it is a righteous wrath. We cannot forget that. As a follower of Jesus, should I ever imitate Phineas as he takes up the spear or Moses where he takes the chiefs of the people, hangs them in the sun before the Lord, say no. That is not for us. So what has changed between this 3,000 years ago and our life today? Well, what has changed is the coming of Jesus Christ. And Phineas is lifted up as a hero of what it means to be passionate for God. But the supreme example of a priest of God is Jesus Christ. Because he embodied the anger of God and the compassion of God in one human being, unlike any other. If you think of the story of the man with the withered hand, Jesus went into synagogue and he was teaching and there was a man with a withered hand there. And Jesus was filled with compassion. And he, and he told this man to stand up. And 
Jesus, in front of all the Pharisees who were there looking to trap him, he said, is it right to do good or to do harm? Or to do to do good or to do evil? To do harm or to give life on the Sabbath? Because the Pharisees wanted to see what he was going to do on the Sabbath. And then he healed the man's hand. And it says in the Scriptures that the Pharisees plotted together how they could destroy Jesus because he was working on the Sabbath. Jesus, knowing this, says his heart was full of anger. And so Jesus, he, he emulated perfectly what it means to have this sort of passion in his heart and have it express itself to save others, to demonstrate compassion to others. And that is what has led Melissa and I to take the gospel to Tajiks and Uzbeks. I, like all of the rest of you, when I was growing up, I never once thought about Uzbeks and Tajiks. What, what would have changed in my life having gone to Northwestern University, studied chemical engineering, that I all of a sudden would have this idea that I would want to go and try to help people in Central Asia understand who God is. Well, it was those crazy guys that wanted to do, do you want to understand the core message of the gospel, of the Bible? Because the core message of the Bible is that there is a Savior who loves others, that has come to do good, has come to save. And so it sent me to Central Asia. And in the next slide, you'll see a picture of a young man that I met way back in 2000. Uh, yeah, 2000, so 20, 22 years ago. We were studying at the university in uh, Tashkent, Uzbekistan together. We were studying there in order to learn uh, the Uzbek language. And one time for lunch, I took him out for lunch and I shared my testimony with him. And uh, at the end, I said, you know, Hussan, do you want to commit your life to follow Jesus? I almost fell off my seat when he said, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, so distinctly remember going behind, we were in this local market, going behind all the buses, the, the, the bus station there into a private place where we could pray for him to receive Jesus Christ. And 22 years on, I still have a relationship with Hussan. He's moved back to the, the village where he grew up in. And uh, he has not had a, an easy life. And spiritually, there have been many ups and downs in his life. But what I want to tell you about uh, Hussan's life, as I look back over the past 22 years, the times of greatest thriving in his life is when he has had this sort of passion for the name of Jesus and he's lived it. And I wonder if you've experienced that in your life. At the times of the greatest vibrancy, at the times of greatest joy in your life is when you have this sort of passion for the name of Jesus, that you know he is the Savior that we want to proclaim to the world. A pastor, a PhD, and former president of the Southern Baptist, J.D. Greer, I don't know if you have ever heard of him, but one of the things he has said is the most miserable person in the world is a lukewarm Christian. Have you ever experienced that? I don't think it took a PhD or him being a pastor or being a president for him to understand that. 
Because I think we've all lived it by experience. The most miserable person in the world is a lukewarm Christian. Jesus said it another way, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Well, why do we become lukewarm? Because we think that if we need to protect our reputation, or we need to guard ourselves from being too, uh, too extravagant in our love for Jesus, or, or uh, we know better than God about, uh, about how to follow our life. And, it, and if we get too passionate about this Jesus thing, it's going to lead us into the scary, risky uh, places. And we try to save our life. And anytime we do that, Jesus says, you start to lose it. Because the most vibrant life, the most abundant life you can have is when you are passionate for Jesus Christ. So, uh, in application, I want to commend to you two things. First of all, spend time with Jesus. Develop disciplines where you're spending more and more time with Him. Uh, Dawson Trotman was all about the spiritual disciplines. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible. Had plans for memorizing the Bible, for prayer, getting up at 5.30 every morning to pray for an hour or more. Fasting. Those are all great things. And the point is you have to find a rhythm in your life that expresses and cultivates your passion for Jesus. You can't just mimic someone else's plan. But the goal is a passionate life for Jesus, and you have to evaluate, am I moving toward that? And then secondly, I would say, and you need to connect that to, to all of your life. Whatever, whatever job you have, whatever uh, you, you spend the majority of your time doing it, how does that connect to your passion for Jesus and living out the relationship you have with Jesus and what, whatever work that is so that there is no segment of your life that is disconnected from him. Okay, going on to the second point here, if we can bring that up. Proclaiming forgiveness in the blood of Jesus is the message of the priest. Proclaiming forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. Uh, in the next slide, take you back to uh, this passage in Numbers chapter 25, verses 12 and 13, uh, where, where God says, Behold, I give to Phinehas my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. So at that time, priests to make atonement, to make two, one, would bring sacrifices to the temple and, and sacrifice sheep and goats in order to appease the wrath of God, uh, propitiate the wrath of God that was being poured out on the sin of God's people. And so priests were to stand as one that were to make atonement, make the two one. And that is what Phineas was doing when he went out with the spear and stabbed those two uh, sinners, those two fornicators. Well, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Again, 
uh, without going through all the details, pointing you to the New Testament. The way we make atonement is by proclaiming forgiveness in the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus. That is our act of making atonement. So you as a priest being called to be a priest are called to do that for other people. Because as a priest, you first and foremost have a jealous passion for God. But then you also have to cultivate this love for other people. As a priest, you stand between the two. And you are called to love other people and to bring them into, rec into reconciliation with their God in heaven. Um, if we go to the next slide, you'll see another picture of Hussein. And I was telling you that I continue to have a relationship with him. This picture was actually he sent to me in, in January as uh, he was celebrating New Year's with his four kids now uh, <clears throat> that, that he's raising in that village. I mentioned that he has had a very hard life. Uh, he's struggled with uh, tuberculosis all of his life, have been in and out of the hospital, never has been able to go through a full treatment process for a variety of reasons, uh, the complications in Central Asia. I won't even get into all the details, but um, although he has a master's in history and as a teacher, um, because of his uh, tuberculosis and his um, disability, he's not, not allowed to teach in the schools because that's a contagious disease. And so he, he actually uh, earns uh, his uh, living by he and his wife every fall going out and picking cotton in the fields with the, with the uh, farm for the farmers around there and taking his kids, at least his older two kids, with him uh, to pick cotton. A very hard life. And many times he has asked me, you know, is, is, isn't there something else I could do? And, and one of the things I have tried to reinforce in Husan is, Husan, you and your family, he, he leads a house church there with his wife in, in this village. Do, are there other believers in your village, Husan? A village of about 5,000 people. No, there's no one else. It's so hard. There's no one else for us to have fellowship with. And I'm like, Husan, do you see in the kingdom of God, you are a lighthouse in a very dark place. You yourself have said it. There is no one else there to proclaim the message of forgiveness in Jesus' name. You are a priest of the high God for that village. Yeah, but no one wants to listen to me. I know who's I know no one wants to listen to me. That is so hard. And and uh, if, if things were different, there's nothing more that he would want than to come to America and to find another job and to find another life. What, is, what did Paul say? I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not known. I said, Hussan, if you just shift your mindset to making it your life purpose, to go to the place where there isn't anyone to share the gospel, you're living the best life I could ever imagine. Because <laughs> there you are, and there is no one else in your village who can uh, speak to those people like you can. It's a shift of mindset. And maybe many of you, you young people, especially you're thinking, oh, if I can only get out of Chillicothe for the rest of my life. <laughs> 
because there's a better life someplace else. But it's a shift of mindset that we each are living in our context of darkness, in our sphere of influence. And as a priest, our role is to share the message of forgiveness in the name of Jesus. You are a priest for some. You are meant to stand between them and God. And you are called upon God to proclaim this message. How do you, how do you cultivate that in your heart? It's, it's not an easy thing. Um, you know, I, I'm convinced, uh, and I know for sure, back in 1990 when those guys came to my, my door in the dorm room, that they didn't do that because it was the cool thing to do. You know, may, maybe some of us might think, well, in 20... Uh, you know, Jay, you're, you're too old. And back then it was like really cool to be passionate about Jesus and to share the gospel. No, <laughs> there's never been a time where it's been really cool in the world to be passionate for Jesus and to share the gospel. There's always something. But, but how do you cultivate a heart that wants to do that? First of all, I would say meditate on the glory and the honor that belongs to Jesus. If you follow Jesus' teaching and you pray the Lord's Prayer regularly, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. We say that. But think about it. Do we develop a passion for God that your name would be holy in my life and in my world? And then the second thing is to meditate on the state of your friends and family and colleagues and neighbors and whoever else it is before the wrath of the Holy God. Why did I go to this passage in Numbers 25? Because I feel like in our world today, everywhere in our world and in America, the message needs to constantly be rung out because we don't hear about it. You're not going to hear about it on the news. You're not going to hear about it uh, in secular society that God's wrath is real. Uh, in the next slide, <clears throat> just review these verses. In Numbers chapter 25, um, verse 3, it says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he, and, and he told Moses, Take all the chiefs so that my fierce anger might be turned away from them. I don't know if that's too small for you to read, but chapter, uh, chapter 25, verse 3. God's anger was a real thing being poured out on these people. Well, that was 3,000 years ago. That was the Old Testament. But what about, what does Jesus say? About those, he was talking about people who had died when a tower in Siloam fell on them. And he says, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That is the warning of Jesus. Those people who died in that car accident, you think they died because they were worse sinners? No, I warn you, we will all perish. And that goes for every one of your family members or neighbors who was outside of the blood of Jesus. And then finally, Paul in Romans chapter 2. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey, uh, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. That is what God said is his coming. And it's our job to warn them. 
And that flows into the third point in terms of our work as priest, that creating access to God's word is the service of a priest. If you think about the heart of a priest is being passionate for Jesus, the message that we speak is forgiveness in Jesus' name. And, and what do we do? How do we serve? We serve by creating access for others to, to understand God's word. Uh, I came upon this when I was uh, thinking about how to explain my role as a missionary. Because when we go to Tajikistan, a lot of what we're doing is thinking about how can we take the riches that we have in God's word and give it to the people uh, that we minister to. And in Numbers chapter 35, verse 7, in the next slide, uh, you see that it, uh, it says, <clears throat> all the cities that you give to the Levites shall be 48 with their pasture lands. And so at this point, they were dividing up uh, the land of Israel. And of course, uh, the 11 different tribes each got a, a part of the land uh, given to them. But what about the Levites? Now, all priests are Levites. Not all Levites are priests because... It came through the, the line of Aaron and Phineas, this priesthood, this perpetual priesthood. But uh, what, what is being said here is the Levites weren't given uh, a certain territory of land. They were given cities to live in. And there were 48 cities. Okay? And uh, you can find this um, information about where those 48 cities are at. In the next slide, I, I pulled something off the internet. That kind of shows them. And I know it's uh, pretty small and you're not going to be able to read all those. Um, but you see the black dots and then the red circles. The red circles are cities of refuge. And then the black dots are the Levitical cities. And my only point in, in showing this map is to show you that they were spread out everywhere. And I think the point was, I want to give access to everyone give access to the word of God to everyone in the tribes of Israel. The priests are to be sent out to explain the word. That is what we read in Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. That's in the, uh, the next slide. Uh, that the priests were to be sent out in, in order to instruct other people what God had said. And God wanted this to be spread out all over Israel. When they were sent, when the Israelites were sent into captivity, and Ezra and, Ezra and Nehemiah were bringing them back, these uh, two verses from Nehemiah chapter 8 are really instructive because it says that, that Ezra had the, the book of the law of the Lord read to the people. So in the next slide, we go there. And it says the priests were gave the sense of the book so that the people understood the reading. So what was the role of the priest? They, they were to read the word of God and then give the sense of it so that people could understand it. And then in verse 12, what was the result? They, they, they heard all of it. They went to eat and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Okay, so I'm trying to draw this line, like my, my job as a missionary, okay? So it's like, 
My job is to give access to the Word of God to everyone in Central Asia. And, and to read the words of the Lord, to give them the sense, to explain them, because when they are understood, it will bring great joy to the people. All right? When you think of Chillicothe or whatever town it is that you live in, whatever neighborhood that you live in, what is going to bring great joy? God means us to live a life of abundance, a life of thriving, both for you and for all your neighbors and family around you. Understanding the Word of God and God's purposes in their life, that is what will bring. And so our, our service to them is to make the Word of God accessible to them. And um, I don't have time to explain all the details of the projects we had in Tajikistan, but when we first went, there was a, a Bible in, in Tajik, but it was in this archaic Persian language that no one could understand. And so a lot of what our team has done is taking that and brought it down into the colloquial or to the slang where people actually speak and then record it, put it on MP3 players and phones so that they can listen to the Word of God because they're oral listeners. They don't really need to learn. They listen to things or they talk to other people to learn. And then it's on their phones or it's on an MP3 player where they can share it with other people. And our desire is that they understand the Word of God filled with joy and they can share it with others. So I commend that to you as well. Because in your sphere of influence, you are the priest to make the Word of God understandable to those in that sphere. And today in American culture, you can't just assume that someone can open up the Bible and understand what it's said there. It's uh, historically and culturally so far removed from their understanding of the world. I remember Rick sharing stories about this, of going, uh, I forgot exactly what type of center it was, but... Uh, teaching someone saying, well, you guys all know the Christmas story. And they're like, no, what's the Christmas story? <laughs> you can no longer assume that people have these common understandings. Well, you are the priest to, to, to bring that and make it accessible to them. Okay, so in conclusion, what can we take away from today? And I have two questions that I want you uh, to think about. And we're going to have just a minute to pray over this. And you can be asking the Lord to speak into your life about these two questions. What is something you will do this week to increase your passion for Jesus? Uh, yeah, you just, I, I won't go into more detail about that, but just ask you to be thinking about that. And then how will you express that passion for Jesus this week? The passion that you, you cultivate in your heart, what is one way you want to express that? And it might be a person that you need to reconcile with. It might be someone that you need to share some of God's truth with. It might be someone that, um, or some other way, you know, just the manifold ways that the Holy Spirit could apply that. So I'm going to pray and I'll just give a little bit of time of silence for you and your heart. To, to ask the Lord how you would answer these questions. I would encourage you on your bulletin or on your phone or in some way to record your answer to that so that a week from now, you know whether or not you've done it. 
and uh, you can keep yourself accountable or someone in, in your life can keep you accountable too. Lord God, I, I think these are good questions, but I know, I know, God, that your word is ever true. And your word has said that we should have this sort of passion, that we are priests of God. And so, God, I ask right now, as we, in your presence, ask these questions, would you show us how you want us to, to answer them? How should we increase our passion for Jesus? And how do we express that? By your Spirit right now, guide us to what you want us to do. Thank you, God, that that you're at work here in this church. And I, yeah, I'm excited just to think about all the things that could go on this week for the name of Jesus to be lifted up in this community as a result of your people stepping forth. And we thank you for, for all of that good in Jesus' name. Amen.